0: We're so glad all of you are here today. Let me just pray and we can get on with our service this morning. Father, I thank you today for this beautiful life of Jordan that was dedicated to you, that, Lord, Jordan is arrows in the hand of these amazing parents. Lord, he will fulfill all his purposes, all that you designed him to fulfill. We thank you. They are, they are anointed to be parents, God. They have the wisdom and the spiritual discernment to lead and guide their families and their children. Thank you for their families that are visiting today. Let them feel the blessings, the hope, and the peace of God as they came into our home today. Let them feel welcomed. And, Lord, whatever they need personally, I pray that you would just touch them specifically in such a precious way. Father, we love you, and we praise you. In Jesus' name, everyone said amen and amen. Hallelujah. Well, listen, we've got Friendsgiving coming up Friday night, and I want to invite everybody out... For for this Friendsgiving, it's gonna be a potluck style. So, well, hello, Mr. Ali. He's just saying amen. He loves his food. (laughs) Um, But anyway, sign up online. There also is a registration table out in the courtyard. I think we're having certain letters bring certain foods. So let's come on out and just celebrate life together, amen, eating together, manja manja, as our family would call it, eat, eat. I'm Italian if you didn't catch that. But um, anyway, so we're going to have a good time Friday night. I think it starts at 7 o'clock, and I would love to see all of you there. All right, we are on week two. On emotions, how many was here last week to hear week one? Did you like it or okay? I was just wondering. I think we reshowed it on Wednesday night, or maybe that was our offense one. I can't remember, but I'm really excited about this uh, series that I'm putting together. And this morning on emotions, my topic is called "Angry Like Jesus." So I know over the last year or so, none of you have been angry at anything that's happened in the world, but how many know we have probably lived in the most toxic time, at least in our lifetime, that we have gone through with so much frustration in the world, and we have seen so much combating with one another, and I'm not saying in this house, but just in the Christian realm of everybody's just angry at something. You know, we found so much bubbling up in us that we were offended by this because they don't see the way I see. Well, they should see the way I see. And heck, I'm right, and they need to believe the way I believe. And, and so the reason why I'm bringing this message today, and it, it's not just about what we've gone through in, the, in America or the world, but even in our life, that God has called us to handle anger biblically. That there is a sound biblical way to handle the things that frustrate us in our life. If you've lived long enough, you've been angry about something and at someone. And it's important that we don't let anger take control. You can turn the AC up a little bit. I think I see a lot of fans going. Um, We don't want anger to rest so long inside of us that we bury it in our heart and we have frustration. And then we get in bitterness. And then we get in separation. And then division happens. And we want to pull that right out of our heart. Our life, Amen. We don't want to give any place to the enemy. And so as I'm sharing this, maybe there's something that has laid dormant in your life over the last year and a half that the Holy Spirit might reveal that we, we need to get it out of our hearts and let some people go, let some situations go, let some things that have really us in our soul and say, God, this is going to go to you, amen? So I don't know if you know anybody that's particularly angry right now. If you've been on Facebook, you know, for an hour or so, pretty sure there's something you've seen that can make you angry or make you frustrated, right? But we need to start looking at the emotions of Jesus like we did last week, that we saw his love and his grace and his compassion. And we need to look at also today where Jesus got angry, Right, he, We find in scripture, and we're going to study a little bit of that this morning, but we need to get angry like Jesus got angry and see the way that he handled things in his life so that we can live a life of freedom and joy even though things and people can really tick us off. Amen? So as I'm sharing this morning, I, I'm, not, I'm not on a political agenda. I'm literally not even going to talk about politics. And I mean that from everything in the world, whether, you know, it's regarding two politics or mask and no mask, vax and no vax. Like none of that is my agenda today. My heart is to share from a perspective of really in the kingdom of God, we have to separate all those things that can frustrate us as believers and I, I have to be honest that our church has done very well with that. I am so proud of you guys because we just don't hear that toxic in, in, in this particular church. But, and maybe privately you're like, yeah, really? Because I'm really mad at somebody. You just don't know it. But it could be in anybody that attends another church or somebody that you know on a platform that has affected your heart that we've got to be careful that as I share the word today that you're not filtering through the thing that you're already upset about. So let's just put all that stuff at the back door, amen, and let's just really hear what the Word of God has to say, because when we learn to handle life through the eyes of Jesus, we will live a much happier life. Not to say you won't have a little frustration, but you'll live a much happier life, right? So there's a lot going on in the world, amen? But guess what? I have good news. There's a lot of reasons to still have joy. There's a lot of reasons to still have peace. God, for number one, God is still on the scene, amen? God's word is yes, and it is amen. And until he fulfills that desire in your heart, the word of God is still working on your behalf, right? So we can be angry, and we can still honor God. So people ask that question a lot. Well, can I be angry? You're right, can I be angry? Is it a sin for me to be angry? I'm gonna tell you no, no. It's not a sin to be angry. God gave us emotions of anger. It's how we cultivate that anger and that frustration that can turn into a wrong behavior. It can turn into strife and division. So the initial anger, there's nothing wrong with that. But we have to learn how to... Can you bring that up here? Thank you. I think a certain perfume got in my throat. But what can happen is a wrong feeling of anger can lead to a bad behavior. Amen. Has anybody been long enough, anger long enough to have bad behavior? <clears throat> Where it's th- things you say, things you do, your response to people, things that are written on Facebook, things that have been sent in text messages or emails, right? We're all guilty of responding wrong. So it's okay to have anger, but we have to handle it the way God would want us to handle it. Amen. So, we're going to look at scripture in Ephesians 4, verse 26. And it says this, and many of you probably know it, but it says, In your anger, do not sin. So, there's going to be something that has happened and will happen that will make us angry. But Matthew's being very, or Paul's being very specific, don't sin in your anger. And that word sin means there, wander from the path of uprightness and honor. And what happens when we're angry in a situation, we're angry at somebody, all of a sudden, the righteousness of God in us does not shine, and we wander away from the truth and the love and the forgiveness of God in our life and releasing God's grace in love. Amen? Okay, let's keep going. It says, do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Why? Because now when you're angry about something, and it's probably a truth to you, and it may be very true, but what happens is you're going to harbor that anger in your heart, and it's going to grow, and it's going to begin to manifest. And what does the devil want? He wants division. He wants strife. He wants separation. So anything that he can divide, he can conquer, that's why we have to be so careful in this area that we're angry and frustrated. He said, Don't let the sun go down on the sun go down on your wrath. Now, it doesn't mean that you can't have a 24 hour period of processing. Because if you've been married, some of y'all know I need more than just a minute. <laughs> right? Any relationship, I need more. You just need to get away from me for a few minutes so I can breathe. What I believe he's referring to in scripture is handle it quickly. It's not the 24-hour, but it's like, don't let that thing fester. Because when it goes so long, it is hard to repair. It is hard to go back from. And then if you ever want to have a conversation and talk your side and they talk their side or whatever it is, it's such a long way apart. So much water is under the bridge. It's even hard to communicate that clearly. So he's saying, get it under control, right? Before it festers you got to get it under control, and it's so hard to do. And when you don't deal with it, when you don't deal with anger, and we've all been there, you become critical. You become judgmental. I should say we. I'll throw myself, and I'm like, my finger's not pointing out at you. And then we say wrong things, and we behave wrong because we've let anger fester in our life. And God says, I want you to get it out as quickly as you can and sometimes there's cases of anger that you may not even need to have a conversation with people sometimes you can just let it go and you got to know when that is there's times where i go we got to talk this through and then there's times i'm going to go you know what jesus i'm just going to give it to you i'm going to choose to walk in love and grace and forgiveness and i'm going to give it to you and i'm not going to let it fester in my heart and that is not easy to do because when you're angry there's elevated emotions And there's words that's not being heard, and there's frustrations. Does everybody agree with me? Anger is very hard in those emotions. But when we can step into God and into Jesus, he gives us the grace to handle the anger in our life. He says, so don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, and do not give the devil a foothold. A foothold. What does that mean? A place or room. Don't give the devil access for extended anger amen because it will bubble up at some point in your life if we're not careful so you cannot give the enemy a crack of anger it's like somebody that wants to shut the door on you and they stick their foot in the door and boom they've got access to your home you got to shut that door of anger and say I'm not giving the devil place any longer in this situation and whatever it is If they don't believe my politics, it's okay. Guess what? That's what America is about anyway. We've been been doing our own beliefs for many years. They've just made it highlighted to hate one another for it. So as Christians, we're not going to bow our knee to different viewpoints in the world. The only thing I won't ever bow my knee to is the word of God. I will fight for the word of God. I will come out like, whoa. But I'm not going to fight with people I care about because you see things differently. Because how you see things is your choice and your truth. And how you see something is your choice and your truth. That's the beauty of the world we live in. Amen. We've got to keep those kind of things out of the body of Christ so that we're not divided, so we're not critical of one another, so we're not judgmental of one another. Because that's exactly what the enemy wants unity of the faith we come in the unity of the faith i may not agree with everything else i may not agree how you raise your crazy kids running around the church running in the parking lot (laughs) oh no in jesus name pastoring is hard enough thank you jesus (laughs) but we're going to come together with jesus amen don't give them a foothold inside your door. When you get into anger, it causes marriages to fail. And then it gets right between marriages, right? It causes friendships to fail. It's not worth it. I have friends that I've been friends with since I was 20 years old. Some go back further. And we have definitely been angry with each other. We've definitely offended one another. I've known Pastor Jenny forever. I'm pretty sure we get along pretty good, actually. But... I'm sure there's stuff I've done that maybe annoyed her, but because we love each other, it goes beyond that. It's not worth fighting. Life is too short to be angry about things that literally the enemy put a wedge there. Amen. The enemy wants division. The enemy wants strife and separation. That's why the Bible says my battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not about my crazy spouse. It's not about my crazy boss. It's not anything. The battle is the devil, and he just wants a foothold to try to bring destruction. And what happens when you get angry and you let it fester? An unrighteous anger comes up in you, an unrighteous anger, and it can compromise your witness. If we could go back and look at some Facebook posts a year and a half ago. I'm just saying, things got ugly between believers. Over something that's already fading into the distance. Because it was an assignment of the devil. Amen. And so what happens? Now my witness has been compromised. Because when I move in my anger, I'm not moving in the love of God. Amen. So anger may lead you to a sinful behavior, which is strife and division. And God is never in strife and division. He's always in unity He's always in reconciliation, restoration. Now, it may take some time. I mean, I know there are situations that do take time, but God is always in that first. Amen? So let's look at Matthew 21, and let's see how Jesus handled some things Matthew 21 and um, earlier in Luke's rendition of uh, the Passover that we're going to read here in a minute Jesus was there when he was just a young boy so this is what we know according to scripture possibly a second time being there but this remember when Jesus went as a little boy and he was preaching and as he left his family took off without him and Jesus got in trouble by his mom but so in Matthew 21 we find ourselves in the same uh, position that Jesus is entering Jerusalem just before the Passover and in the first According to scripture, every Jew in the Roman Empire would travel to Jerusalem for the Passover. It was a celebration and remember of God saving the children of Israel. And so according to Josephus, normally in Jerusalem there's about 40,000 people. But at the time of the Passover, there would be over 250,000 people in Jerusalem. And they were going to the temple to offer their sacrifices and give glory to God and tried to enter the temple. Um, Enter the tabernacle. So as Jesus shows up, it's five days before he's about to lay his life down. So imagine what Jesus is encountering at this moment that he comes up to this point of his story. And in this story, we know that he gets really angry and he goes to the table and he tips the tables over in his righteous anger, right? And what does does that represent? Jesus was at the temple and that table represented hypocrisy. It represented greed, abuse, and misuse of the father's house. And what Jesus did in this moment of the story we're going to read was something that was out of his ordinary behavior. You don't see Jesus running around being angry all the time. So it was something that wasn't unrighteous anger. It was a righteous anger in the moment. So there are things in Scripture that we can have a righteous anger over, Right? Something that's not right, it's injustice. Those are things that we can have a righteous anger over, but that's not why Jesus flipped the tables over because of unrighteous anger. It was a righteous anger. Why? Because there was greed in the house of the Lord. There was abuse in the house of the Lord. And this righteous anger bubbled up inside of Jesus. So let's look here in scripture, uh, Mark chapter 21, verse 12. And it says this, Jesus entered the temple courts and drove out all those who were buying and selling there. He overturned the tables of the money changers. Now the money changers were the evil people. They were the thieves taking advantage of those coming to make a sacrifice into the temple and the benches of those selling doves it is written he said to them my house will be called a house of prayer but you have made it a den of robbers now i want to stop there for just a minute because we're seeing this moment where jesus is righteously anger and he's acting out and he's letting it be known this is unacceptable but what is so odd in the next verse as you read it is in chapter 14, it says this, the blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So it's almost like in these scriptures back to back, we have two different stories that Matthew put together, and it doesn't make sense. In one moment, Jesus has this righteous anger, but yet in that moment of anger, he turns, and with his love and his compassion, he's healing the sick. He's healing the lame. So do you see how our anger can be aimed in one way, but my love for the people remains the same. Jesus was unrighteous to the things that were wrong to God's house, that were wrong to God's people, but he didn't lose his love and compassion to the people to stop ministry. And what happens when we get angry? We lose our compassion for people. We stop loving people. We stop having an extension of grace and mercy. We stop praying for people. Why? Because I'm angry. And you probably have every reason to be angry. But Jesus turned a table at that moment, and it was uncharacteristic. He was not characterized. When we talk about Jesus, you don't go, yeah, that Jesus was really angry all the time. No, he moved in anger. I think I found six times in scripture, there's probably more. It was uncharacteristic of him to be angry. So you can see in our life that there are things in our life that we can really rein in that we don't have to be angry about, that we can really walk in the character of Jesus Christ. So he didn't get angry all the time. It wasn't a daily thing that he carried. You know, if you look at scripture, it's not like Matthew said, yeah, that's the fifth table he turned over this week. Jesus has been pretty angry about stuff. You know, it wasn't like he said, yeah, you should have seen what he did to the Pharisees that cut him off last week. No, Jesus didn't have a reputation of anger. Even though a lot was coming at him, amen, what Jesus was known for, my first point is, Jesus was known for his love and not for his anger. Ooh, let me say that again, and you can put it on the screen. Jesus was known for his love... And not for his anger. Well, Pastor Barb, that's Jesus. That's what he came for. No, they they abused him. They falsely accused him. They spoke against him. There was so much that came about Jesus, you never saw his anger rail up against people who came against him. Unless it was the, the agenda of God. That's when he told Peter, get behind me, Satan. Right? But you don't see that Jesus was known for love. Jesus loved the outcasts. Jesus loved the lepers. Jesus forgave sinners. Jesus forgives people who vote different than you. I didn't say which side. I could care less. I'm on Jesus' side. Jesus loves people who live different than you. Jesus was about love. Amen? So I don't want to encourage you to go home and start flipping over the dining room table and say, you're driving with ava on the way home. No, you're not going to flip over those kind of tables, amen. We're going to flip over righteous tables. So we're going to learn three things this morning um, from Jesus and how he got angry in a way that honored God. And we can insert our life in exactly the same way. So number one, Jesus was angry on the behalf of those who were mistreated. Jesus was angry on the behalf of those who was mistreated. In scripture, as I studied these, I found Jesus was angry at people that pushed children to the side. Remember, he got angry. He said, no, suffer the little children to come to me. He was angry. He said, bring them to my feet. He said, do them no harm. It'd be better for you to tie a millstone around your neck and throw yourself into the sea than to harm one of these. So Jesus had anger about the children. He was angry about self-righteous leaders and hypocrisy. We saw that with the religious leaders. Jesus was angry about selfish ambition. He's like, you know, don't go pray out in the square, pray out loud in the square for everybody to hear hear you. Don't let the left hand know what the right hand is doing. He gave more honor to the woman who gave the might, the smallest, than the bag of gold that was sitting there. Because Jesus don't like selfish ambitions. So there's things that he got angry from. and when, Like I said with Peter, you know, Jesus was sharing how he was going to lay his life down. He was going to die and be resurrected in three days. And Peter said, oh, no, Jesus, that's not going to happen to you. And Jesus and Peter, who he loved, said, uh, get behind me, Satan. He got angry because don't change the agenda of God. Yeah. See, there are things that we can get angry at but not at people. Our heart goes towards the wounded. Our heart goes towards the rejected, right? Let me ask you this. Was Jesus ever betrayed? Yes. Was Jesus ever disagreed with? Yes. Did he take shots at him? Yes. Was he criticized? Was he unjustly persecuted? Was he hated? Yes. Have any of you been hated, falsely accused, criticized, betrayed? Hello? We're in the same story. But Jesus never backfired at those people. He never got angry or criticized them back, right? When they violated him, when they disagreed with him, he didn't fire back at them. He continued walking in his love and in his purpose. We've got to control the things that we want to fire back at, amen? Jesus got angry when others were hurting, a righteous anger, if there's anything that we can use our anger for, let's use a righteous anger to those that are hurting in the world, those that are without Jesus, those that are broken, those that have no hope. Amen. That's where our righteous anger should go. And when you are righteously anger and not unrighteously anger, that righteous anger wants to make a difference. I'm so angry about this, I need to make change. I need to do something so that righteous anger drives you to make a difference, whether it's small or whether it's big. So I'm going to ask you this morning, and don't raise your hands, but maybe we need to take an inner audit on the inside of our heart and say, is there any anger in there? Is there remnants? Is there somebody's face that you see on Facebook still that a year ago ticked you off? Like, let's just be real. And every time you see them, you're like, Ugh. I just want to tell them our thing or two. Those are the things that are harming you more than anything else. Let them go. Give them to Jesus. Amen. We don't want anything lingering. And it's so easy to sit under this message and go, yeah, boy, I'm going to send this message to my cousin. She could really use this word, right? i send this to my parents. It's so easy to say, hey, this is for somebody else. But I think we need to take an internal perspective. Do I have things lingering that's keeping division in my marriage, in my family, in the ministry, whatever it is? Amen? So what is it that gets you angry these days? What is it? Is it carrying a grudge? Is it unforgiveness? Things that are easily agitating you, right? Do you find yourself being extra critical of a group of people? A kind of people. Maybe we're being hateful when we need to be loving. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. In our life, and and all of us can say this: someone has lied about us. Someone has criticized us. This is real, right? Somebody's betrayed us. Gossiped about us. There are things in the natural that we really got our feelings hurt. Raise your hand if you've ever had your feelings hurt. This is a safe question. Okay. The good news is, is that as believers, we are not bound to this natural world. We serve a supernatural God. And so where my feelings are hurt, I can come out of the natural and I can step into the supernatural power of God. And I can look at what Scripture has to say. And Scripture says when someone has wronged us, we are not called to have revenge. We are not called to say, sick em Jesus. We're not called to hate them. What does scripture say? Bless and forgive and love. Seventy times seven, I have to forgive someone. That's a lot of releasing. But that's what scripture says. So how do we do that? How do we forgive those that have really wronged us? And I could have a seminar on walking in the love of God and being wronged. I, you know, I was telling, I went to a, a conference this last weekend and it was so amazing and I said, you know, when I was in ministry before I was the lead pastor, ministry has hurts in it. And you get hurt in the ministry, and those wounds go deep because people have, you know, your heart and they talk against you and they false accuse you. And I thought the pain of ministry was rough until I became the senior pastor. And I didn't know that knife could go just a little deeper and it can turn in your back. I have stories and stories and stories. I've been in the ministry for 33 years, things that broke my heart. And I can guarantee you I would never be in the pulpit today if I didn't learn how to get the anger, forgive people, let people go. Don't try to be vindicated and don't try to be right. Just keep our mouths shut. Walk in the love of God and watch God vindicate things that you could never vindicate anyway in your life. You know, I had a huge false accusation when I was on staff at another church. And I remember, man, I just wanted to shout my truth. I wanted to put it everywhere because I was false accused and I was lied on and I was judged and criticized. And it was all a made-up lie by a jealous coworker. And boy, did I want to shout it from the mountaintop. I wanted everybody to know my truth. But you know what the Lord told me? In your silence and in your confidence will be your strength. There's sometimes we just learn to be silent. I'm not going to get angry at that person. Matter of fact, I smiled and loved on him every time I saw him. And then I was like, afterwards, you know. (laughs) I have forgiven him. Did you say a word? But I tell you what, I did keep my mouth shut. I took whatever consequences came, and a year later the truth came out. And my pastors came to me and apologized to me. Because that's what God does. And guess what? I lived happy. I didn't care. I didn't live in anger. I didn't live and try to vindicate myself. No. Keep our mouth, our heart pure and our mouth pure. And you watch God move quicker. And what happens is when we get in it, we start digging that hole. And it's going to be really hard to get out of once you've been digging and digging. We've all been there. Amen. So we want to fight back. We want to have our truth. We want to be justified. But as God has freely forgiven me, I have to freely forgive. And aren't you thankful for the things that God forgave you of? I am so thankful that he has forgiven me of things. And if I can have his grace and forgiveness, then I need to give grace and forgiveness away. And in those things that you're angry with, listen, I know. I've had to grip my teeth. I've cried out to God. I've been heartbroken about some things. But every day, God, I release them into your love. I release them into your love. I release them into your love. And you may have to do that every day until God shows up. But that is our responsibility, is to let people go into the grace and the love of God. Amen? Freely I have received, freely give. Amen? It's time to just let go of some things. Jesus was never mad about what people did to him. He was angry at those that dishonored God's house and mistreated people. You think of the money changers, right? They were so greedy. They would take, like, you ever gone to a football game and outside the stadium they're selling water bottles and that little water bottle may be like $3. And then you go inside the stadium and it's like $15 for that little bottle of water. Well, that's what was happening with these money changers. They were ripping off the Jews that were coming to sacrifice to the the temple. And that's why Jesus was so righteously angered. Some of these people couldn't even afford the dove at that time to get in to make their sacrifice, to get with God. And so they had upped the price of the doves. I, I saw in the commentary that outside the temple it was four pences, whatever that is, uh, for a dove for a pair of doves. Inside, they'd get in the temple seventy-five pence for a dove. And Jesus was angry about this because some people couldn't get to the temple to make the sacrifices that they so long and desired to. Amen. So that anger ro- rose up. in So number two, we see when Jesus got angry, he flipped tables. Not people. He flipped the table. He was getting rid of all of the injustice, all the unrighteousness, all the things holding people back from the house of God of worship. He said, I'm angry at that, but I'm not going to flip the people because Jesus always loved the people unconditionally, amen? He flipped the tables. He didn't flip them off. Just curious if you were listening. (laughs) You got it? All right. Give it up for him back there. woo Good to see you guys, by the way. All right. He didn't punch people. He didn't cuss anybody out. You know, if there was Facebook, he didn't get on Facebook and make a big old display about what's going on. He flipped over the tables. The tables represented the system that supported hypocrisy and mistreatment. So what do we have to do? I want to bring this home here quickly. We have to be careful, and this is for all of us, and even for me as a preacher. I have to keep this in check. You may feel very strongly about something, and it could be from anything from the way people live their lifestyle in the kingdom, what we should and shouldn't be doing, right? We all have a strong belief, but what happens is when we have our dogma belief in the way we think it should be, what we think truth is, and it is your truth, but if it's what we think, it can translate our perspective into a righteous posture. Now, I've become righteous because what I say is true and what I believe is true. Now, we take this posture and we become judgmental and critical of how everybody else lives their life, and they should be living it like me. I know y'all don't do that. I know you don't. I know you do. I'm just going to say you do. (laughs) We all do it. If God convicted me, no more rated R movies for you. Everybody's at rated R. (laughs) That happens in the kingdom, right? That's a silly example. But we have this dogma perspective. Well, this is my truth, and it should be this way, and everybody should think this way. And that may not be the case. Amen? We have to have grace and mercy so we don't get critical and judgmental of where people are at. I'm flipping the table. I'm not flipping the people. Let me give you an example of something that hit very close to home and and does as a pastor. When the whole pandemic happened and and as a pastor, I'm like, I don't want to shut down the church. Like, I wrestled with that, didn't I? I was like, this should be a place where people can come. Even if it's two or three people, I want the doors open. And, And so during that time and even still probably, there was one whole group of people over here of, how dare you open the church, Pastor Barb? You should keep the church closed. And if that's your perspective, it's awesome. But that's what I'm telling you, I'm dealing with. Like, you have this viewpoint. Don't open the church. And then you've got people over here. Why aren't you opening the church, Pastor Bar? And it's both your truths. And there's nothing wrong with that. But you can see how that can become a righteous posture. Well, I'm just going to leave the church because they didn't do it the way I thought it should be done. No, flip your table. Don't flip the pastor. I'm just trying to follow Jesus. We're all in the dark like this together. We're all trying to figure this thing out. Amen? Amen. So we've got to be careful that we don't have our our dogma viewpoint where we're angry. Because you will go from church to church and find something to be angry about. You'll go from group to group and be offended. Listen, we've been doing this a long time. Amen? Amen? I just think, church, we should have longevity. We should grow old together. We should raise our children together and our children's children. Your kids should be marrying each other. Like That's just how the kingdom should look like, amen? So we got to be careful. So we have to be careful with this. In our effort to be right, we are forgotten to be loving. Isn't that the truth? In our effort to be right, we've forgotten to be loving. Give people grace, grace. And let God figure it out. We're going to go to heaven and be like, oh, I didn't know you were going to. Okay. <laughs> God does have some grace in the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> okay, Jesus. <laughs> Look what Paul said in 1 Corinthians thirteen, thirteen. He said this. These three things will last forever. Faith, hope, and being right. And the greatest of these is being right. What does it say? Love. (laughs) God be love. The greatest of these is love, faith, hope, and love. Thank you, Jesus. Make sure we don't let our unrighteous anger justify any unloving behavior. Our goal isn't to be right. Our goal is to be loving. All right, number three. And I'm closing. When Jesus got angry, he loved and healed those who were hurting. Even in his anger, right? Remember the people who couldn't get into the temple because it was unaffordable to get in? Jesus went and ministered to them. Verse 14, we saw that. The blind and the lame came to him at the temple, and he healed them. So he didn't let anger stop his flow of loving and of miracles. In the four gospels, you'll see that whenever Jesus got angry, he never yelled. He never was critical. He always did the will of the Father. Amen. We have to be careful. We're living in a cancer culture time. Everything wants to be canceled if we don't agree with it if we don't see it in the same eyes and in the kingdom we have to be careful because maybe what is frustrating you someone else doesn't have the truth yet they may not have that perspective yet and if we're canceling each other we eliminate the ability to have the conversation amen we should be able to sit down in this church it's beautiful I love the diversity in our church, and we're not very big at this moment, but I literally sat at my desk this morning, and in our church, we have Filipinos, we have Africans, we have Indians, we have Native Americans, two different tribes, we have Turkish, we have African Americans, we've got Jamaicans, we've got Islanders, we've got Mexicans, we've got Puerto Ricans, Listen, that is beautiful. This is what heaven's going to look like. But guess what? Right, right? I was raised Italian. We're cray-cray. And some, you know, who was raised in a more conservative where you didn't use your words, you'd freak out in Italian home because all we do is yell at each other. And then we'll sit down and love each other and have pasta like in, in 30 seconds because we don't care. But that's what's beautiful about the church, the differences, the diversity, right? We need to be thankful for that. In Colossians 2, verse 13, it says, For he, God, forgave all of our sins. He canceled the record of charges against us. He canceled sin. He didn't cancel people. He didn't cancel people. He canceled sin, thank you, Jesus. And he took it away by nailing it to the cross. In this way, he disarmed the spiritual rulers and authorities. He shamed them publicly by his victory over them on the cross. Amen. Amen. Jesus didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. Jesus didn't come for the righteous. He came for the sinners. He came to show the love and the grace of God. And we need to be willing to do the same. It would be a very sad world if we lived in a world where we all fought for the same thing. How would we get anything different done? We all have a different passion on the inside of us. We need to be thankful for those who are making a standard against pornography and fighting for marriage. Some of you wouldn't even think about that. But if you saw a family destroyed by pornography, you're fighting. There's a righteousness on the inside of you that is fighting for that. Thankful for those who are fighting against racism and injustice in our nation, right? And to stand up for those who want to protect our nation and risk their lives for our nation. Thank God for those who fight up for the unborn or people that are fighting mental illness or human trafficking of some sort or clean water or polar bears, I'm on TikTok. People fight for crazy things. Now, I said this for a reason because I look at it and go, yeah, it's sad, but I don't really understand. It almost seems crazy, but I don't have the perspective. So if somebody else is fighting for something in love, you know what I'm saying, in love and unity of the faith, you may not have their perspective. Celebrate what they're standing for. It's okay. Otherwise, we're only going to have one thing we're fighting for, and that just isn't what the world looks like. Amen. We're in a very divided world right now. Very. I mean, I'm only 53 today, yesterday, but thank you. But uh, it's the most diverse, most difficult time I've ever gone through, personally. I think some of the older generations, you've lived through some hard things also. But a very divided world needs more than ever a united church. Amen. Amen. We have to come together, love one another. Have conversations around unity and love. Let's be angry at the devil. Let's flip the script on who it really belongs to, amen? At this church, we're on a mission to bring people into a fully devoted relationship with Jesus Christ. That's what we're about. We don't wanna give in to our differences, amen? Love each other where you're at. So let's just close our eyes. Father, I thank you today for this amazing church. I thank you, Lord, that your presence and your power is upon them. And, Lord, wherever we have holding judgment, holding anger, Lord, even if it was true, I pray that you give us grace to let it go today. Let us forgive. Let us surrender. Let us start fresh, Father God. Come together in the unity of the faith, Jesus. We're going to be righteously angry at the things that are unbiblical. Father God, and we're going to make a difference in this world, but we're going to love people unconditionally because that's what your word has challenged us to do, and I thank you for that. I want to get everyone here this morning have an opportunity to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior, and I don't know where you're at this morning. Maybe you're way away from God, and you just need to come close to him again. Maybe you've never received Jesus, and that's the reason why God had you walk in the back door today, is so that you can make Jesus the Lord of your life. I'm going to have all of us say this prayer together. Just repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and be my Savior. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Give the Lord a praise. I will be out at guest services. If you said that prayer this morning, I'd love to meet you. We want to get a Bible in your hand. If um, I've never met you, I'd love to meet you this morning. God bless you.